Our mission here at No Limits Church is pursuing limitless life in Jesus. What we're doing is we're taking the limits off so that our lives can impact the world. You see, God has no limits. The only thing that can limit God is our own thoughts and our own actions. So today, we're going to talk about three ways we limit God without even knowing it. So have you ever noticed how easy it is to find a reason not to love somebody? Maybe they lied to you, stole from you, or used you. Or maybe they make a lot of money, and they don't use it the way that you think that they should. Or maybe they looked at you wrong, or they ignored you on your way into church this morning. And if that was me, if I ignored you, I'm really sorry. Sometimes I'm just like on a beeline to like take care of the baby and like get this stuff done. I'm not ignoring you. But check out this scripture. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, wow, that sounds great, huh? Y'all want that? But the scripture keeps going, so check this out. But if I didn't love others, I would be nothing. So when thinking of a limitless life in Jesus, you probably imagine a life where you know all of God's secret plans, you possess all knowledge, and you have such faith that you can move mountains. But there's one thing that can tear all of that apart, and that's neglecting to love others. There's a way we do this that's so subtle that we don't even notice it. And I need a couple to come up. Tim and Darla, you guys look like you're the right people. So come on up here on stage. Let me get you some microphones. So you guys are going to look at each other because we're going to act something out here. All right, so here we have Leo and Lori. Let me give you a backstory. Lori and Leo have been married for a couple years, and they've been having the same argument. They were at a party one evening when Lori reached for another scoop of ice cream. And Leo said, Lori, why don't you lay off the ice cream? (laughs) Lori, who struggles with her weight, shot Leo a nasty look, and the two avoided each other the rest of the night. So here's the conversation that happened on their way home. I really don't appreciate the way you treated me in front of my friends tonight. The way I treated you? What are you talking about? About the ice cream? You act like you're my father or something. You have this need to control me and put me down. Oh, Lori, I wasn't trying to hurt you. You said you were on a diet, and I'm just trying to help you stick to it. (laughs) I mean, you're so defensive. You hear everything as an attack on you, even when I'm trying to help. Help? Humiliating me in front of my friends is helping? Wow. She might get an award for that. (laughs) It's almost like she's said it before. (laughs) You know, I just can't win with you. If I say something, you think I'm trying to humiliate you. And if I don't, you ask me why I let you overeat. I am so sick of this. Sometimes I wonder whether you don't start these fights on purpose. All right, let's give him a hand. Thank you, guys. Okay, so all the women in the room are probably just like a little bit heated right now and they're siding with Lori, right? And all the men in the room, you guys are just happy to know that you're not the only ones having these type of conversations, right? (laughs) But what we have here is a classic battle of intentions. You see, Lori is assuming that Leo's intentions were to control her and put her down. But Leo made a mistake too because after clarifying his intentions, He thought that uh, Lori had no reason to be upset. You see, assuming others' intentions, which is why they said or did something, is one of the most frequent ways we withhold love from others. And most of the time, we don't even notice it. 
And it wasn't until I read this book called Difficult Conversations that I realized that I was doing this very thing, and not just with Beth, but with everybody around me. You see, if you looked at me wrong, I assumed you were mad at me. If you said something that hurt my feelings, I assumed that you meant to hurt them. If you laughed while looking my direction, I assumed that you were making fun of me. If your text message came across as hateful, I assumed that you meant to be hateful. Can anybody relate to this, or is it just me? So I'm convinced that assuming intentions is the easiest way for the devil to mess up your love walk. That is until you recognize what's going on. So now that I've brought it to your attention, the next time that you assume intentions, you're going to realize it. You're going to be like, wait, I think Kate talked about this. And here's what you do. Instead of assuming the worst, assume the best. So this last week, Candy, who's our drummer, invited me to lunch with her, but she didn't tell me why. So my mind kind of began to wander. I'm like, is is she leaving the church? Is she mad at me because of something I said last week? But I've been practicing assuming the best for about six months now. So I turned it around, and I replaced those negative thoughts with positive ones. She's probably just wanting to catch up because we haven't talked in a while. I'll get a chance to hear about her new business, giving drum lessons. We can talk about the church. It'll be great. And what she want to talk about? She just wanted to catch up. (laughs) But if I hadn't trained myself to assume the best, I would have spent a few days leading up to that meeting upset. And you may be thinking, but what if she did show up and say that she was going to leave the church? Well, would fretting about it for two days leading up to the meeting change anything? No, all it would do is make me a punk to my family because I would have been in a bad mood, right? So we think that assuming the worst somehow protects us, but it doesn't. All it does is drain our energy, make us sick, and ruin relationships. But what does love do? It assumes the best. And get this, even when a person's history tells us otherwise. Let me say that again. It assumes the best, even when a person's history tells you otherwise. Which leads me to a new core value for our church, and that is that we love others without reason. You see, when we find excuses not to love others, we limit what God wants to do in our lives. Our love must be a free gift. It can't be earned, and it can't be taken away. We must strive to love others the same way that Jesus loves us. You see, the world system says that love has to be earned, or it has to be felt. But God's system says that love must be unconditional, irrevocable, and a free gift. It's something we do without expecting anything else in return. So we love others without reason, In other words, there's no reason we love them other than the fact that Jesus loves us and we're trying to love others just as he loves us. It's that simple. So one of the best ways we can love those around us is to take care of our own bodies. Think about it. When you feel good, you're engaged, you're energetic, and you're available for those that need your help. I'm transitioning my business to primarily shoot videos, specifically shooting stories that will inspire people. And in this journey, I've shot several stories of people who have taken control of their health. And you know the thing that they're most excited about? Having the energy to invest in relationships, whether it's their spouse, their kids, or their grandkids. So in 1 Corinthians 10, let me give you a little backstory here. Paul is talking about how we should stay away from worshiping idols. 
He reminds us of what happened to the Israelites when they worshiped idols. And we all know what happened to them. They got stuck in the wilderness for like a really long time. And at the time Paul was writing this, a big issue at that time was whether or not Christians should eat food that was offered to idols in other religions. So what was Paul's answer? He's like, guys, it really doesn't matter. Just, just eat what you want unless what you're eating is going to offend the person that you're eating with. So here's how Paul's instruction ends. He says, I too try to please everyone in everything I do. I don't just do what is best for me. I do what is best for others so that many may be saved. So let me ask you, how many of you, when you eat, are thinking about how your choices are going to affect others? How's it going to affect your spouse when you're laid up on the couch because you ate too much? How's it going to affect your kids? How's it going to affect your ability to share Jesus when you're tired all the time from eating loads of junk food? I know, guys, this really isn't a fun conversation. And I really didn't want to have it today. I've been kind of nervous, actually, about it. And it's one that we don't often talk about in churches. You see, we've kind of written off eating as one of those things that we have a free pass on. I'll just do what I want. I mean, as long as we stay away from the big sins, like getting drunk, we can take our liberties on what we eat. But check out this scripture. For the heavy drinker and the glutton will come to poverty, and the drowsiness of overindulgence will clothe one with rags. What? They put a drunk and an overeater in the same category? And the end result isn't very pretty either. Poverty. It's interesting. We know the Lord expects us to work towards keeping the flesh in line. Yet when it comes to food... We've given ourselves a free pass. I'll just eat what I want, and if I have a health problem because of it, I'll just ask God to heal me. And I believe that he would heal you. But what about all that time you spent sick and tired leading up to that? It may feel like I'm slapping you around right now, but I'm really just trying to renew your mind. So don't let this message condemn you for the fact that you failed to take control of your appetite in the past. Today is your new beginning. The enemy has a plan to cripple the church through gluttony and poor eating habits. And today is where it ends for us. We're no longer going to give in to his clever lies. Check out this scripture. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. So when we sit down to eat, we need to ask ourselves two questions. Is this glorifying God? Or am I trying to fill some kind of void or fleshly appetite that only God can fill? And second question, how is this choice going to affect those around me? You see, this really isn't about setting rules and regulations about what you can and can't eat. This is about taking control of your appetite and taking control of your health. It's realizing that your eating habits are not about you, it's about those around you. Which leads me to a new core value for our church. That is, we take care of our bodies. Today is the day we stop limiting what God wants to do in our lives because of poor eating habits. Today is the day we partner with God to take control of our health, because you can't do it on your own. We no longer use food to satisfy a hunger that only God can satisfy. 
So we're talking today about ways we limit God without even knowing it. So the first was neglecting love, even in subtle ways. And the second was neglecting your health. So let's get off the health and talk about the third one. Everybody take a deep breath. Ah, that one's over. Good. So do you remember the last time you messed up? Maybe you fell into an old habit, said something you shouldn't have, watched something you shouldn't have, or smoked something you shouldn't have. Whatever it is, we all make mistakes. And get this, even the guy who wrote most of the New Testament made mistakes. Check out the scripture. I want to do what is good, but I don't. I don't want to do what is wrong, but I do it anyway. This is Paul, guys. What the heck? What are you saying, Paul? Let's keep going. But if I do what I don't want to do, I am not really the one doing the wrong. It's the sin living in me that does it. Guys, this is great news. You're not the only one that struggles with sin. But notice how Paul separates himself from the sin. He says, I am not really the one doing the wrong. It is the sin living in me that does it. Hold up. Some of you guys are having an inner struggle right now. Even though this is the Apostle Paul, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, if he were here right now, you'd give him a little piece of your mind. You'd say, come on, Paul, just take responsibility for your own mistakes. You see, this is really challenging to understand. How could Paul say that it wasn't him doing wrong? It was the sin living in him doing the wrong. All of our life, we've been taught that when somebody cheats on their spouse, gets caught up in pornography, or gets sucked into a drug addiction, they're just a sorry piece of work. Why can't they just make better decisions? Well, let's get a little more personal. Why do you keep eating things you know aren't good for you? I'm not picking on you. I just know that's something that we all deal with. And it brings it into perspective, doesn't it? I bet you want to eat healthy. But somehow when it's late at night, you're tired, that Twinkie finds its way into your mouth. I mean, it <laughs> just happens. You see, drugs, pornography, and other big sins are really easy to pick on. But the truth is, we all have the same type of struggle, even with things like food. So what do we do about it? Do we just keep sinning? Well, let's keep reading to see what Paul has to say. Oh, what a miserable person I am. Maybe you said that this morning when you got up because of something you did last night. I think we've all been there. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? You know, I'm glad that it wasn't just me that felt that way because I can remember I had some big struggles early in my 20s and it felt like I was never going to get out of them. But thank God I did. And thank God Paul did too. And you're going to see that in a minute. Thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. So you see how it is. In my mind, I really want to obey God's law. But because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. And that's the end of the chapter. That is not very encouraging. Didn't he just say, thank God the answer is in Jesus Christ, our Lord. And then he says, because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. Well, crap. Where's the hope? You see, the Bible was not written in verses and chapters. Paul sat down and he wrote this letter all at once. So even though it's the end of a chapter, his conversation actually continues in the next chapter. And I'm really thankful for that because this would be a really sorry ending. So let's read this again. We're going to keep going to chapter eight. It says, so you see how it is in my mind. I really want to obey God's law, but because of my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. 
oh, that's better. But where we get stuck is the no condemnation part. Because it's not until we understand this that we're able to live by the power of the Holy Spirit and actually get free from sin. And spoiler alert, you are incapable of freeing yourself from sin. There's no amount of willpower that'll keep you 100% out of trouble. You see, we get caught in this cycle. We make a mistake. We feel bad about ourselves for a few days or a few weeks or a few years. And then we make the mistake again and the whole cycle like continues. The devil tricks us into thinking that living in regret somehow pays for our sin. So we live our life in condemnation and never experience the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, our job is to separate ourselves from our sin, just like Paul did. It's not me doing it. It's my sinful nature. Then you go directly to God and you thank him for the forgiveness that's already there. And then you move on. Don't waste one moment in regret. We're talking about blind limitations. And one way we limit God without even knowing it is living in regret, which leads me to a new core value for our church. We don't waste one moment in regret. You are not doing God a favor by feeling bad about yourself. You're not doing God a favor by feeling bad about yourself. You can't earn right standing with God. Jesus did that for you. So you can't mess it up either. The only way out of sin is to first remove regret and then rely on the power of the Holy Spirit. But you got to get over the condemnation part. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Step one, I'm not condemned. Step two, stepping into the power of the Holy Spirit because I can't do this myself. So before we end today, let's all bow our heads. Just close your eyes because I want to give Jesus a moment to work in our hearts. You see, if you've messed up, don't leave today condemned. Instead, let Jesus make all things new. Let today be your new beginning. If you struggle with bad eating habits, don't leave today condemned. Let Jesus make all things new. If you've been living your whole life in regret for things that you've done in the past, don't leave today without letting it go. If you've lived your life believing the worst and thinking bad of others, today is the day that changes. From now on, you're gonna see the best in others and silence the negativity that tries to overtake your mind. You see guys, when we get quiet and we ask the Lord to speak to us, he does. So we're just gonna take a minute this morning and let him do just that.
you don't know Jesus, today is the day that changes. Maybe you've been in church your whole life. You heard about Jesus in Sunday school, but you've never actually taken that step to give your life over to Jesus and live for him. Well, today is the day that changes and we're gonna say a prayer together, but it's not like this is a magical prayer. All this is is making a decision to let Jesus be Lord over your life and accepting his forgiveness. So let's all pray this prayer together. Jesus, I thank you. You've made me new. I realize I can't save myself, but you saved me when you went to the cross and then you rose again. I accept your righteousness. I am right with God, not because of my own choices, but because you've made me new. And I give my life to you. I realize this is a journey and I commit to the journey. I'm with you always. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Jesus, we love you. We're grateful for what you did for us and we walk in it. We thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation. I just cast that out of this room right now in Jesus' name. I cast regret out, it's gotta go. We're walking out of this room with a fresh, new perspective on life. Every step forward is a new step. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen.